0: Uh, Colossians, we'll start in chapter 1 and go from there, but we're actually going to be in chapter 2 today, I'm going to touch on a couple things that were in my notes from last week that we did not get to. Colossians chapter 1, we'll get right into it. Um, We're going to look at verses 28 and 29, and and last week we were talking about your ministry, and really I was trying to remind us all that we have a responsibility to be ministering. Uh, we have a responsibility to have an attitude of ministry, and if you remember, we talked about Christ being our example, um, about humbling himself and, and coming and, and taking upon the form of a servant, and uh, that's truly ministering and having an area of ministry and an assignment of ministry, but we didn't get to the goal of ministry or really, the uh, I guess, to keep it all A's, the aim of ministry. And uh, so if you look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 28, we're going to read verses 28 all the way down through uh, verse 7 in chapter 2, and then we'll pray and and we'll look at these things as a reminder from last week, and then we'll pick up uh, for this week in Colossians chapter 2. But Colossians 128 says this, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, whereunto also I labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me Mightily, and in chapter 2, it goes on to say this, "...for I would that ye know uh, what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge." And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for these people. I pray, Lord, that you'd grow our class, Lord, and strengthen uh, the saints, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that your word would go forth with power. And Lord, that you'd do something to encourage us. And Father, that we might be better servants, Lord, and that we could reach the lost. And Father, now we uh, need you. I pray that you bless in spite of uh, the speaker. And Lord, that you just use your word in a great and mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. And I hope you love the word of God today. Uh, it's good and and get involved in ministering. That's left over from last week. But now, uh, as we come, in, and we didn't really get to this point, and we talk about the goal or the aim of ministering. Uh, and the Apostle Paul here um, <clears throat> says that uh, there's a twofold goal, if you will, uh, in ministering, and uh, talks about warning everyone, right? He, he says that there in the verse, whom we preach, warning every man. And so he's talking about warning them of their need of Christ, uh, so to speak. And, or we can, I mean, there's lots of warnings and, uh, that we can give, but we are to proclaim the warning that, that we see in Luke 13:5. I, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Uh, we need to be sounding the alarm uh, in our ministries uh as young, it's, it's great to hear that Cora was saved, you know, with our children in our homes and, and, and making sure they understand uh, that there is a hell, uh, that they are sinners and they do need a Savior. And, and listen, the folks that we work with and, and the family that we reunion with, uh, if you will, and, and just the people that we're around need to understand that there is something to be saved from. And uh, that's part of our goal or our mission or our ministry. And and uh, we need to warn them that there's consequences that they will face if they reject the gospel, if they reject Christ. Uh, there are consequences. And, and uh, I would say this, as a good minister of Christ, we are to do everything possible to win the lost. Uh, we're told to go out and compel them uh, to come in and... And sometimes I think we take a very apathetic attitude toward this. Uh, we just kind of uh, live our Christian life and, and uh, we're faithful to church, and, but we really aren't active in encouraging folks or warning folks of, of their need of Christ. Um, and I know that's true as I've traveled uh, many churches and we've been stationed in a lot of places. There's a lot of comfortable people in our churches that aren't uh, really sounding the alarm. Uh, people around them have no idea that they need a savior. They have no idea that they're a sinner. and I don't I'm not meaning that you need to get in people's face and and spit and holler and yell at them. Uh, but are you being a witness in your area, uh, in your ministry and and uh, so uh, are you doing that this morning? That's just the challenge. I don't want to spend too much time here because we do have a uh, uh, another text that we're going to look at. But secondly here we see our aim, or the goal involves teaching every person, God's word. And uh, we ought to be discipling or developing those people that are saved, right? And so we warn them to be saved. And, and, and when people get saved, we have a responsibility to minister to them and to train them, uh, if you will. And, and, uh, <clears throat> and of course, we know, and, and you guys have heard it over and over and over again, um, every word in the Bible is inspired by God. Uh, he's given it to us all, and it's profitable. It's, it's inspired. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, and, and correction, and instruction in righteousness. We need it. And, and, uh, but look at what verse 17 in our, in our text says here, or excuse me, in, in 2 Timothy. And it deals with the result of the why that we do what we do w- with teaching those people. And in 2 Timothy 3.17, it says that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished, unto all good works. And uh, listen, the, the main goal of warning and teaching in, in our text this morning, you see it in verse 28, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. The apostle, as we minister, it, it's to develop people uh, so people can be saved and then people can grow in Christ. Um, <clears throat> perfect here means mature or reaching an intended end. Uh, to be mature in Christ and uh, it has the idea of the completeness and, and having good moral character and, and having growing spiritually and being healthy if you will. Um, uh, things that are healthy grow. Things that are not healthy tend not to grow and, and definitely not as they should or could if they had the proper nutrients and sunlight and, and all those things and moisture and all the things that that we think of that makes things grow and, and uh, uh, failure to thrive. Anybody heard of that term, dealing with children? And, and I know some of our boys, uh, it's amazing, premature, uh, you know, didn't seem like they were gaining weight, and now they're bigger than me. You know, um, uh, if we're not careful, um, we can have a failure to thrive in our Christian life uh, because we're not in the Word of God. It's uh, It's profitable. And uh, men, I encourage you to be here uh, Saturday. I have a thought that I know has been a challenge for me, and I want to encourage you to do it. But it has the same idea of prospering. God promises that we will prosper if we would do things His way. Um, and so the, the, there's expectation of growth in our lives. Um, and so uh, the the idea here is that they will be perfect and they will grow. And verse 29 says, "Whereunto I also labor." So this is not going to be an easy goal to achieve, right? It's not always easy to win people to Christ. Uh, It's not always easy to disciple people or to develop people and to teach people. Uh, If it were, we probably wouldn't have so many churches closing their doors, Uh, so many people giving up. And so the Apostle Paul says, whereunto also I labor, and look at this word, striving according to his working, which worketh uh, in me mightily. And, and listen, having our own, own ministry uh, involves a struggle. Satan wants nothing to do w- with any of us growing spiritually. He wants to do the opposite and, and do damage and, and prevent growth and, and prevent uh, us from being successful. And, and uh, listen, but God can give us the energy and, and he works in us mightily to accomplish the ministry that he assigns us. That, that he gives us. If you remember what we are talking about last week, where each one of us ought to have a place where we're serving and laboring uh, so our church can go forward, so the, the cause of Christ can go forward. In Philippians 2.13, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's, it's from God that he's going to strengthen us and to help us uh, to do those things. And, and, uh, but, and he works a, worketh in me mightily, the apostle Paul says there in verse 29. And, and uh, so as we think of this idea of of ministry and laboring, um, it kind of flows right into chapter 2 and what we're going to talk about this morning about growing. And I know a few weeks ago, uh, maybe a month ago or more now, uh, we talked about spiritual growth and those things, but we're going to look at it from a little bit different lens and obviously different text because we're looking at chapter 2 here this morning. Um, But in verses 28 and 29 of chapter 1 there, Paul desired for all believers to grow. That was his desire. He says he's striving to warn people. He's striving to teach people in all wisdom uh, to present them perfect in Christ Jesus, right? That these people would would be saved, they would receive Christ, and they would grow to be more like him. And and he he strives to do that. He's working at this thing. He's desiring that they would would grow continually. And and Paul yearned for God's people to grow. Uh, Look at verse 1. For I would that you knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. And I think we kind of talked about this a few weeks ago. We might mention it again here in my notes a little bit later. But uh, Epaphras or or somebody else likely was was the person ministering there at Colossae. It wasn't the Apostle Paul. uh, But I believe um, he probably was the catalyst of this ministry starting. If you look at Acts chapter 19, I believe it's verse 10, maybe 10 and 11. And and actually, if you read Acts 19, 1 through 11, you'll definitely see that where the Apostle Paul was there in Ephesus and he was teaching in the synagogue and and that wasn't conducive. And so he moved to the school of Tyrannus, I believe it was. And uh, it says that he was there for two years. And so with Laodicea and Colossae being within roughly a 10-mile range of there. um, As he's laboring, uh, no doubt his preaching and his teaching had reached these locations uh, in Colossae and and, in Laodicea. But listen, um, that's kind of a side note, but here it says he has a great conflict. And the Greek word agon, uh, from which we get the word agony, uh, Here is the idea, and, and Paul's heart agonized over the confusion caused by the false teachers at Colossae. We know there was a lot of false teachings; uh, really, there there still is today. But but the Colossians dealt with it uh, uh, quite a bit, and and uh, listen, that kept or at least hindered believers from growing in Christ, and that was a burden on Paul's heart. He agonized over that. He had confliction over that, and and he struggled with that. and And um, <clears throat> for for those at Colossae and and also at Laodicea, and, and uh, Paul was, was struggling, and he desired to see them grow. And, and I believe that ought to be our desire for all of us. Peter, 2 Peter 3.18, I know you folks are familiar with that verse. It says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory, uh, both now and forever. Amen. And, and uh, Christians ought to be growing. Uh, the oldest Christian in the room this morning still has room to grow. Spiritually speaking. Um, and, and especially if they were saved later in life. Um, <clears throat> Paul was concerned with, with these believers and, and, and the fact that they uh, ought to be growing and if they were going to be growing. And, and uh, so there's my note about Acts 19 there. And, and, uh, but I think it's possible that neither the people here at Colossae or Laodicea had seen him face to face. He says that in that verse, right, and um, talking about those that haven't seen him face to face, and uh, but he still desired for all believers to grow, whether you knew him personally or not. And uh, <clears throat> the apostle Paul uh, just loved Christians. He loved the believers, and and he desired to see God doing a work in their life, and and uh, not just those ones that he knew personally. Um, but all of them. And so this morning we're going to talk about a few things that will help us grow. Comfort, connection, confidence, and conduct. And uh, if you look at uh, chapter 2 and in verse 2, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love and into all riches of the full assurance of the understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. But it says there that their hearts might be comforted. Uh, We need comfort or encouragement, if you will, to grow. Um, I mean, the Lord sent the comforter uh, to come. But this word here, parkaleio, something like that, refers to coming near to encourage. The idea of it is, is drawing near to someone to encourage them. It's more than just... Saying, "Hey, good job, buddy!" It, it's it's it has the idea of binding together with somebody to really to comfort them, to encourage them, uh, uh, to possibly even to challenge them to to continue on and and listen. Everyone needs somebody to encourage them in their spiritual life. Uh, we all need encouragement at times. Um, and Cindy and I were talking uh, recently about that, and and uh, I told her that. Uh, Actually, I, I, I didn't do it when I originally was thinking about it, but um, there was something that she really helped me with. And uh, I was thinking about that. I need to tell her I appreciate her and, and that I love her. And I just didn't. And then the other day, I think it was Friday after work, we, I got home and, and we were just talking, and I told you, and that, that same topic came up. And I said, I forgot to tell you this. I said, but I just want you to know that you're an encouragement, and, and I'm thankful for you and, and what you've done in this area of my life to help me. And um, we all need that. And, and as a husband and a wife team, uh, that's the prime place to get some of that stuff. And, and uh, listen, sometimes it can be challenging, though, because sometimes we need somebody to put their finger in our face and say, hey, that's not how it ought to be. Um, and listen, we need to be receptive when that's coming from our spouse. I believe that with all my heart because um, they oftentimes see things in us that we don't see, or at least we don't see it as quickly or as early as they did, and when they say, hey, look at what you're doing here, that might not be the best thing. You might be headed in the wrong direction there, and, and I know as a husband and a wife, but, but sometimes we don't want to hear that from the other person. Ah, it's none of your business, right? Remember what Brother Summerdorf said, mind your own business, Right, but, but I think in the right balance, that needs to take place. Uh, but we ought to be willing to listen to our spouse, our husband, or our wife when they're giving us a, 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 a concern or, or helping us with something. And, and I definitely encouraging us. We all need a cheerleader. Uh, maybe it's not your spouse. Maybe it's somebody else. Uh, uh, but we need that encouragement sometimes. And uh, listen, it can be somewhat discouraging at times in the Christian life. You know, let's not act all super spiritual here this morning. Like we never have any problems, we never struggle. We're, you know, everything's hunky dory twenty four seven because that's not the case. And uh, we we do have challenges that we face. And and First uh, Thessalonians four eighteen says this: Wherefore comfort one another with these words. And I know that that is in the context of that passage. It's talking about the catching away or the return of Christ and and Him coming for the saints and. And it says, and so what are these words? Obviously, that's the, the main context of that passage there. Uh, but I believe that we can make application that the, these words are the word of God. And so we need a cheerleader sometimes just to give us the word. Somebody there, when we're discouraged, maybe we're down, and, and they can encourage us with the word of God. And, and listen, when believers, are just, sometimes we uh, get discouraged because we've fallen into sin. Uh, I know a lot of folks that, that struggle with discouragement, and a lot of times it's because of their sin that they allow in their life and, and sin that they don't deal with. And, but listen, when people get like that, we can use the words of the Bible to comfort them. And uh, you remember King David? What a failure. I mean, people don't usually, when you think of David, you don't think of a failure. You think of David and Goliath and those things. But, but he failed miserably. He sinned. And uh, sometimes maybe your friend or, or somebody you know needs to be encouraged uh, because David is also a great example of forgiveness and restoration. And, and you think of uh, Psalm 51. I've went to there many a time and, and, and prayed that psalm. You know, just restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and, and, and forgive me and in in those things that we see there, and and listen, sometimes we just need a friend to come along us and say, "Hey, yeah, Bonehead, you messed up, but remember this: look at what God says about David and, and his failure and his sin, and and we we can be encouraged through the Word of God, and and I believe we ought to be encouraging one another with the Word of God, and uh, you guys remember First Kings nineteen, uh, where we see. Elijah, he's getting discouraged and uh, to the point where he asked God to take his life. It's a pretty low place. And uh, <clears throat> listen, we can uh, use these things that, that we have in Scripture to remind people uh, of how good God is and that God's not finished with them and that there is hope. Uh, and we can use the Word of God to strengthen them. So when I think of, of uh, 1 Corinthians or First Thessalonians, and and definitely, what an encouraging thought to know that Christ is coming, and that we are victors in Him. Uh, and no matter what we're facing today, we're victor victorious uh, in the end of this. And and uh, I don't know if this is the right term to use, but the local church is the original support group established by God to comfort the believers. Uh I've never went to any other type of support group in my life and and I'm not saying that those are all bad hundred percent I know that there's a ministry back in uh the church in in uh spokane that we we grew up in they have a reformers unanimous and and they meet together and and it's a group that can really help those people that struggle with that area right and so I'm not saying that there's no value in those other things but but listen, the church is, is it. Uh, If we did the church right, oftentimes we won't necessarily need all this other nonsense that we have. Uh, I want to remind you of Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse 23. Let us hold fast fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Look at what it says here in parentheses. For he is faithful that promised. We're not just holding fast, just trying to hold on for for dear life, just because it's the good thing to do. But we have a promise from a God uh, that is faithful. Uh, we have this promise, and it says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Boy, promote, or provoking each other. It's a little different than, Father is not provoking your children to wrath, right? But uh, verse 25 says, and, and this is the verse that we all know, not forsaking, the, forsaking or the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, I know you guys are in Sunday school this morning, and, and uh, you're faithful to church, and, but listen, don't quit. Don't waver. Uh, when you get discouraged, when you get down, uh, and you need some comfort in life, you need some encouragement, uh, you're going to find it here at the church. You're going to find it here at the church because the Word of God is being preached and the Word of God is being taught and the Word of God is going forth and, and, and the focus on the Word of God is what's really going to keep you encouraged and strengthened. And so uh, we need that to grow. We need that encouragement. We need that comfort, if you will, that we, we see talked about there uh, in verse 2, that their hearts might be comforted. Uh, <clears throat> have you ever struggled and, and, and you just feel torn and, and, and you've been in a place where you're not sure what to do and you just, you just feel in turmoil? Uh, and then a verse of Scripture or, or maybe a song of Scripture comes to your mind and, and it's amazing how that can calm your spirit and just comfort you. Uh, listen, our lives need to be permeated with the Scriptures, with the Word of God. Uh, when you're struggling, and in, in, in it, in it, sometimes it's, it feels so contradictory because we feel discouraged, we feel down. And the last thing we want to do is read and get into the book and, and study. But that is what's going to be the, the medicine to meet your need. That's what's going to help. Uh, put on some preaching and put on some of that music and, and those things that are comforting and encouraging because we need that. And, and listen, those are the times to be in church, not be out of church because you're discouraged. That's right. uh, because there's somebody at church just waiting to exhort you, to encourage you, to lift you up. That's why we're here. Uh, that, that's why we're gathering together, and, and uh, is to exhort one another and, and listen so much the more as you see that day approaching, right? And it, it's only going to get more challenging, more difficult in this life. Uh, as the Lord tarries, it's just going to get more challenging. And so it's that much more important that we're not forsaking the assembly. And, and, and secondly, this morning, we need connection. Look at uh, verse 2 there. It says, being knit together in love. Uh, in order to grow, or a growing Christian uh, must have and, a, and a, I almost hesitate to use this term, a love connection." Uh, it just sounds so corny to me, but uh, I, I told Pastor we were in the office in between services this morning, and I said, just because he used the term, and I was like, I know it's actually in my notes, and, but, uh, but, but that's the honest truth. God is love, and look what it says, being knit together in love, we need connection in our. Christian lives uh, we can't be just in an island to ourselves. Uh, we have hurts we have challenges we have trials that we face and, and we need to be bound together and, and uh, we need to be doing everything we can to resolve the disagreements and the anger and, and the hostility those things ought not to exist in our churches uh, regrettably it often does um, but they ought not exist. And, and uh, <clears throat> we ought to make it a priority to develop these connections, if you will, to bind ourselves together, to be knit together with others. And, and uh, it, it's really, it, it, it's unifying and it's harmonious. Um, and look at this command that we see in Ephesians chapter 4 in verse 31. I, I think this is interesting. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you, with all malice, these are the verses that we taught our kids right here. Verse 32, and be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Look at what it says here. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. There's nothing that anybody in the church has ever done to you that God wasn't willing to forgive you for. Yet we tend to hold grudges. We get all cranky about things. Uh, we... We uh, incite frustrations sometimes. Um, Caleb was confronted about his flag on his pickup truck. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but uh, that clown's about to turn 18. and So Cindy, is, Cindy reminds me that I can't really control him his whole life, and, and I'm not against a Trump flag or anything, and, and, uh, but I personally am not going to put a Trump flag in my pickup truck and drive it around. But Caleb was driving over, he was going to school one day and, and uh, he had that flag in the back and, and um, some adult parent was giving him a hard time in a profane-laced hard time to a young kid and, and uh, so Caleb was like, listen, sir, I'm, I'm not trying to be rude, I'm just, you know, and so, which he did the right thing until... Um, as he drove away, he took the long way around the lot where this guy was going in, honking his horn. And I said, that's just being inflammatory, and that's probably not. Uh, but listen, how often do we do that? We get offended about something in church, and, 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 or somebody comes to us with something, and how do we respond? Nah, we got to say something. we gotta, we got to have our last word. Um, that's not the example we talked about that we see Christ that came and humbled himself. And, and listen, we need to be careful. If we're going to build connections, listen, sometimes to have a friendship, and listen, I know every single one of you that's married in here today understand, sometimes you got to uh, be a little forgiving in order to live in a house with somebody. Um, we don't have to have the last word. We don't have to be convinced that we're the right in this situation or in that matter all the time. Uh, Sometimes we need to allow God to use the Holy Spirit to work in the, the lives of our fellow church members because we are desiring to be knit together in love. We are to love them like Christ loves them. Jesus isn't getting on their case like we are, not out of a fleshly carnal response anyway. He might be getting on their case with the Holy Spirit saying, hey, listen here. Uh, what are you doing in that area? But that's not our job. Our job is to love one another here and to, to be knit together. And so the Apostle Paul, uh, I believe he, he, he's desiring, he's just yearning for people to grow, that their hearts might be comforted, that they might be knit together in love. And, and listen, don't you want to be knit together with the church family? I don't know why you want to come to church and just be frustrated and angry all the time with the church family. I don't. That's miserable. That's time to find a different church or get your heart right. Right? That's what needs to happen at that point. But I want to come together here and be bound together, knit together in God's love, uh, just serving Him and worshiping Him. And, and, uh, boy, we could could probably park it there for a couple days. But um, we need to be doing everything to resolve issues. Not created them. Not perpetuating those things. Uh, But forgiving. Sometimes it's not easy to forgive. But we still need to do it. Uh, And listen, we need to ask God's help for us to do it. And and listen, being kind and tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And that example there, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. There's no greater example you can use. We're not going to be gossiping about our brothers and sisters in Christ, not spreading rumors. Uh, listen, instead, we are continually working on forgiving and loving those people to create that connection so we can be knit together, so we can be of one heart and one mind, uh, striving together. And, and uh, thirdly, this morning, <clears throat> uh, in uh, verse 2 still, we're, we haven't even got past verse 2, and uh, that knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgment of the mystery of God, and of the Father, and of Christ. And so we're talking about confidence here, and and uh, we must be sure of what is ours in Christ. But what is ours in Christ? And Paul uh, describes this confidence here uh, about understanding in all the riches and the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgment of the mystery. Uh, there is no understanding or knowledge of God apart from a personal relationship with Christ. It, it, it really starts uh, when we get saved, if you will. And, and as we get to know Christ, listen to this this morning, as we get to know Christ, He gives us full assurance that we know God. As we grow in, in this confidence or this assurance that we have. And, and uh, verse 3 goes on and says, In Him or in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ, these things are there. And um, Obviously, this was a blow to any of the false teachers that might have been in the area uh, of Colossae or Laodicea at the time and and, uh, who claimed to have a higher level of wisdom and knowledge, right? There's a lot of that that goes on today. Uh, But listen, Paul makes it clear that all, I have it in capital A, capital L, capital L, Not just some spiritual wisdom and knowledge are found in Christ. It's all. uh, Are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Apart from Christ, there's none. And uh, we need to understand that. We can have confidence in that. Uh, We can have the full assurance, if you will. And uh, we do not need the visions of a televangelist preacher. Listen, we don't need the, the, the more modern writings of some cult leader or false teacher. Uh, We don't need any of that. Uh, We just need Christ. Uh, What a a blessed thing to know that we can have confidence in that. And and, uh, every one of us, every believer this morning must understand Christ is all they need. Why? Look at verse 4. So why do they understand that Christ is all they need? Verse 4, And this I say, lest any man beguile you with enticing words. There's going to be folks out there that got some sharp things to say. Man, that sounds pretty good. That sounds believable. That sounds, what do they use the word, legit, right? That, uh, but it's not, if it's not of Christ, if it's not of the Word of God. And, and it's not, but, but there will be those that try to beguile you with enticing words. Uh, there are those actively out there trying to pull believers away from Christ, uh, and we need to have that full assurance uh, that, that it's all from him. If not, we're more susceptible to those things. And, and uh, listen, we can have the full assurance or confidence that in Christ we have all spiritual knowledge so no one can deceive us with their, their arguments or their persuasive arguments, if you will. Uh, we see this warning also in 2 John, uh, verses 10-11. It says, "...if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house." Neither bid him God's speed, for he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his deeds. And, and so this, this warning is not new, you know, and, and it's funny. I hate when people knock on my door, but I've knocked on thousands of doors. Anybody relate to that, right? You see those guys in their, with their name tags and their bicycles, and, you know, here they come, here they go, you know, and, and or other groups, whether they're selling a vacuum, we had a vacuum salesman in our neighborhood a couple weeks ago. I'm like, they still do that? I didn't know people walked around and tried to sell vacuums. But, but I hate seeing people come to my door, and especially if they live in the neighborhood and they're coming over there. No, just kidding, Lisa. Lisa, she occasionally comes across the road, and oh, well, here comes the crazy lady in the neighborhood. But uh, no, but we need to be careful because they have some some sharp things. Uh, we're not going to get through this week. We're, I'll never forget when I was door knocking one time, and I was young. I, I think, actually, I know Cindy and I were married. It was our first duty station, and I was young. I'd been knocking doors as a teenager for years. Um, that, our youth group went out every Wednesday. We would get out of school, meet his youth group, go door knocking, grab a meal, and then we'd have teen class on Wednesday nights. That's just what we did. And so, for year, at least the four years of high school, I did that, and then beyond working in the bus ministry and stuff for a while, but I'd been knocking doors for a number of years, and I'll never forget in Las Vegas, Vegas, Nevada. I don't remember the whole conversation, but I remember talking to this guy, and the term rapture came up, and he said, you know, that's not even in the Bible, and he threw me for a loop. And if I was smart, I would say, well, that means catching away, and that is in the Word of God. And, but I wasn't that smart, and I said, well, and, and I let him distract me uh, from me really doing my spiel, if you will. I, I, really, I try not to do just a spiel, but, but I was trying to share the gospel with him. And he was a seasoned doorknocker himself, I believe. And, and, uh, <clears throat> but listen, those folks will come, and they will say some things that, that sound pretty close to being right. Um, I had a friend growing up that was—he was a Mormon, and he used all these terms that just sounded. He used the term "saved," and he used "Holy Spirit feeling," and and I have another friend that's Catholic, and he uses all these same terms, but it's not the same. It's not the same at all. And listen, we need to be careful, and and uh, but we have this confidence in Christ, and so uh, we get this warning in Second John. We're going to close with this this morning, and. Now, before we move on, we'll finish this up next week. But um, listen, we get this, this, this command that, that says, uh, next time you see one of these folks come into your door, just tell them, no thanks. I have the Word of God. I have Christ. I have the Bible. I have all I need. You can please leave. And uh, doing anything to greet or and to encourage them, is, it says that you're taking part in their evil deeds. And uh, so I don't invite these people into my home. That's my personal. I'm not, I know other people uh, might talk to them, but my personal opinion is we have nothing to talk about at my front door. There's a different time. There's, there might be a different avenue for that, but, but at my front door, that's not the place. And uh, listen, uh, we need to be careful because we can be drawn away. Uh, if we lose track of, the fact that we have everything we need in Christ. And Paul warns these Christians here of the dangers of listening to those who add to the gospel, those that take away to the gospel. Uh, But in verse 5, he praises them for doing so, for sticking by it. In verse 5, it says, "...for though I be absent in the flesh, yet am I with you in the Spirit, joying, beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ." So he gave him this warning that there's going to be these people that come, but but he he was excited to see that they were steadfast and and uh, the word there order is is uh, comes and it's translated really from a military term that pictures an orderly group of well disciplined soldiers uh, who do not break rank. And so the apostle Paul was encouraged to see uh, that these Colossians were as an army that's under attack and. And he was rejoicing that their lines were unbroken. They were remaining steadfast. Despite these teachers that were out there and, and uh, trying to entice them or to beguile them, and, and, uh, but they exhibited this steadfastness. For though I be absent in the flesh, hey, I'm, I'm not there. I haven't been with you. Yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. Listen this morning, Christ is all we need. Uh, we have the full assurance, we have the confidence in Christ we need to remain steadfast. He's, we talked about it a few moments ago. He promised. We just need to be unwavering and faithful in it. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for uh, the word of God and, Lord, how encouraging it is to see it. And, and, Lord, I pray that we would be students of the word and, Lord, that you would help us to be steadfast like we see here with these Christians at Colossae, Lord, and they just were confident in the things of Christ, Lord, and the truths of your word. And I pray that we would do the same, Lord, and that we would stick by the stuff and be faithful. And Father, now we pray for your blessing on the morning service. We ask that you would fill with your spirit, Lord, that you would bless the musicians, Lord, and bless the preaching of your word. And Lord, that you'd be glorified in it and that men would be drawn to you. In Jesus' name, amen.